Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I don't, I don't know if, if, if you have been here, if you weren't here last week, but we started a, a series called Fight, and, and today is week two. And, and last week... Uh, we heard from Pastors Nabil and from Mike Gonzalez, who, by the way, another one of our youth leaders that spent a whole week at camp, and he got a little bit, uh, what is it? There was a little bit of an injury that happened there. So be praying for him. He kind of had a slip, and he uh, be praying for him, uh, but, but, but he's okay. But anyways, last week they talked about, they opened up the series by talking about that we have, we're in a fight, and we're fighting for our minds. And they're talking, they talked about how we have, uh, through scriptures, we can, we can take control of that and we can make sure that we're healthy in our minds and that, and that we can move forward. So that was the first part. So that was, that was amazing. If you missed it, if you weren't here, we're going to encourage you to go to our podcast and sign up and you can get it through there or go to our YouTube channel and watch it. And, 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 and it's amazing. It, it was a great teaching. I, I, I took a lot of notes. And it's great when you hear from different people because you, you hear different perspective, but we're talking about the same thing. So today we're going to continue on... On that, on that note, we're going to continue on the series fight. Today is week two, and I'm, in a minute I'm going to tell you what are we going to be talking about. So if you got your Bibles, get ready to, to, to use them. We're, we're not going to be in one set passage. We're going to be jumping around a little bit, which is great. It's almost like Bible sort or whatever it is that they used to call it when we were kids. But, but anyways, we're going to be going, we're going to be seeing a few verses that is going to apply to what we're going to talk. And we're going to wrap it up, unpack it, wrap it up, and, 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 and see what we can take with us later on today. But before we continue, uh, let's just go to the the Lord and ask him to bless our time together. Father, we just thank you that we can be here today. We thank you that we can um, remember what you did for us as we took uh, communion. Uh, thank you that we get to come here and be free. And Father, right now we just pray that you will open our ears to hear from you, that you will open our minds to, to, to receive what you got for us, that you will open our eyes to see what you want us to see. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we prayed. And everybody said, amen. amen. So like I said, we, we're, in a, we're in a series called Fight. And Fight, why do we, why do we name it that? Why do we name it Fight? What do we, what do we say? Okay, uh, you, you know, church, come on, it's church. You have peace, love and peace. I'm not a lover. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover and all that kind of stuff. But why do we call it Fight? We call it Fight because we believe as a church, we believe as, a pa- as pastors, we believe as Christians that we are in a fight. That we are in a battle. We believe, uh, we believe as a church that there is a component out there that although you might not see, although you might think it's a little freaky, although you might, you might think, well, that, that, I don't like to talk a little bit about that. There is a spiritual war out there. I don't know if you know or not or whether you believe it or not. There, the Bible tells us that there is a spiritual world out there and that there are spiritual beings that are in constant struggle for our attention. See, right now some of those spiritual wins are winning over your attention. Because you're like, okay, oh, let me get back. See, I got your attention back when I said that. But there is a component out there that says, yeah, there is a world out there that even though we don't see, something is going on in there. And we can see that if, if, if we read Ephesians 6, 12, look at what it says. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we know... 
that out there somewhere right now something is happening. So there is a war going on. There's a battle going on for our minds. There's a battle going on for, for our attention. There's a battle going on for our sanity. There's a battle going on for, for our marriages, for our relationships, for our families. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how to fight for our families. But the first thing that we got to understand is that, that there is a war going on out there. And just because we might not believe there is, or just because we might think, oh, that's a little hokey, we might think, no, that's not really, I, I, I don't get into that, I didn't come to church to be told that, well, it, it doesn't make it not so. There is a battle going on, and we need to learn, we need to educate ourselves, we need to understand how to get prepared for it, we need to understand how to, how to make, make sure that we are ready to stand in that battle. And you, if, if you also see John 10.10, 10, which happens to be the, the verse of this church, in John 10.10, 10, look what it says in the first part. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So what is that verse telling us? Right then and there, the verse is telling us that we have an enemy. Because if we are in a battle, what's the most logical thing is that we have an enemy. There is an enemy of our soul, right? And that verse is telling us in the first part, look, the thief, that enemy is a thief, that enemy is going to come only to steal and kill and destroy. But look what the encouraging part is. The second part of this verse. Look what Jesus, and this is Jesus talking, by the way. And look what he says in the second part of the verse. He says, but I have come that they might have life and have, have it to the full. So that brings encouragement to me here today. And I'll tell you why. Because what we've been talking about so far for the last four or five minutes is not to scare you. What we've been talking about is not to make you feel queasy or not. It's in, in fact to encourage you to know that we have a Savior that says, I have come to give you life and I have come to give you life so that you can live life to the fullest. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to walk around like with your head down saying, oh, this enemy is on top of me. This enemy is getting ready to steal my family. This enemy is getting ready to steal my marriage. No, no, no. We have a God. We have a Savior that says, although there is an enemy, Although that there is danger for you, if you choose to let it, I came, I defeated that enemy already, and I have given you tools, and I have given you the things that you need to be able to fight, to be able to stand, to be able to, to make sure that we as Christians, we need to know that the enemy is out to steal our minds. As Christians, we need to know that that enemy that is real is out to make sure that our families are in total discord. That that enemy is out there trying to make sure that, our, that we are to believe that our kids are going crazy. That our husbands, that our wives, that everybody is, 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 is going insane. And who is that enemy? That enemy is the devil. And yeah, it's okay to, to stand here on a platform as a pastor and say that name. Because we have to make sure we know who the enemy is. Because when we're ready to fight, we need to identify that enemy. And we need to see, hey, that enemy is, and call it by that name. And it doesn't mean that now we got to shrink. It doesn't mean that we ourselves are going against that enemy because that's not our fight. The battle is the Lord's. But he chooses to use us to make a stand. And he chooses to use us to use us as an example. So we need to make sure that we understand that that enemy, that devil, will do whatever he can to destroy us. He'll do whatever he can to come in to our families, to come into our relationships, to come into whatever it is that we're going through and make a mess out of it. But it's up to us to recognize who that enemy is. And let me tell you something, that enemy has been trying to wreak havoc throughout the whole week. Because you know why? Because he knew that today God was going to have victory and people are going to be set free and chains are going to be broken. 
But you know what? That's why, that's why, and again, we don't, we don't, we don't say, we don't hide behind anything. I mean, if I get a flat, I don't say, oh, the devil did it. I'm not one of those guys. But throughout the week, we have felt a lot of opposition to today. Even today, AC breaks down. Even today, Pastor Mike, he was supposed to be hosting. His knee got messed up. He couldn't be here. His wife can't be here either. Even today, what I like to call my security blanket every time I'm on the platform, my lovely wife, who I, I've been married to for 32 years and who always is the, my best cheerleader, my best encourager. I, on Thursday, she had to be taken to the hospital, and then she's not sitting there. Now I just got to look at, 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 at Phil's ripped jeans instead of my wife. <laughs> my security blanket. But you know what? You know why? Because there is an enemy. And he does not want us to succeed. He does not want us to move forward. He does not want us to do what we're supposed to do. And he's there not only to try to defeat us. See, that's not, that's not the main plan. Because once we get to know Jesus, once we get to know uh, him as our Savior, the devil already knows he lost us. But what is his next tactic? His next, tax, his next tactic is that he wants to sideline us. He wants to cause depression. He wants to cause discouragement. He wants to cause us to want us to quit. He wants to cause us to just be on the sideline because if we are on the sideline, we cannot be effective in reaching people for the kingdom of God. If we are on the sideline, you know, it's almost like when you're, when you're playing. Anybody here likes team sports? Nobody likes to be on the sideline. Everybody wants to, even in baseball, which is one of the slowest teams, especially in baseball, which is very slow, you don't want to be sitting on the bench. You want to be on the field, even though you might get hit, even though you might hurt, even though you might get an injury. You rather, I mean, I can bring Phil up here. Phil used to play college ball, right? He used to play college football and stuff like that. It's, it's, it, he was awesome too. But he will tell you that he will put up with all those two-a-days in summer, and he will put up with all those practices and stuff like that. But when Saturday came around, he wanted to play. He didn't want to just be sitting on the sideline. But you know what? The devil wants us as Christians to be so discouraged that we're just going to sit on the sideline. That we're going to be thinking about throwing the towel. That we're going to be thinking about, oh, but you don't know, JP, man. I mean, come on. You don't know. If it's one thing after the other, bro. Si no es Juana, es Lemana. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I lost my job. I can't pay my mortgage. I can't. My wife now is telling me that, 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 that she don't love me anymore. But, you know, that's the devil trying to make, put you on the sideline. You know, but, but because he does not want you to succeed. And you know what? There is awesomeness in this. It's not even a word, awesomeness. But anyways, I'm going to use it. What's awesome is that verse after verse we can see in Scripture of encouragement of God telling us, yes, your enemy is real. Yes, your enemy is powerful. Yes, but you can stand. And look what it says in James 4, 7. In the book of James, 4, 4th chapter, verse 7, it says, Submit yourself then to God. Look what it says. That's key, man. If, if you can highlight it, if you, can, if you don't have a pen or a highlighter, yeah, lipstick, man, put your lipstick on it. If, if a husband's, if you don't, uh, get your, your wife's lipstick and highlight that, resist the devil. And what would he do? He will, well, come on, 1 p.m. He will what? Flee. Flee from you. And you know what's awesome about that? Let, let's break it down a little bit. It doesn't say resist and maybe he'll flee. It doesn't say resist and if he wants to, he'll flee. It doesn't say is resist and, and, and maybe if it's a good day and it's sunny like today, he will flee. No, it says all we have to do is what? Resist. And he will do what? 
Flee. So that brings comfort to my heart, understanding and knowing that, yeah, it might be rough. Yeah, it might be that my wife is sick, but you know what? I'm going to resist, and he's going to flee. You know what? I'm going to say, God, you can heal my wife. I don't know what the devil's trying to do here. I don't know what kind of thing he's trying to put in my mind to, for me to think, okay, you know what? I can't preach on Sunday because I got to stay home and take care of my wife. No, you know what? I will resist because I know that God has a word for his people, and he's going to use me for that word. So I am going to resist, and I'm going to trust that when I resist, he will flee. And that's what we got to do. So we see we have an enemy. His name is the devil. We see that we can resist, and we see that he's already, God has already given us amazing weapons that we can use in this war. And, you know, he tells us, and we know, that one of the most important weapons that we can use in this war is right here, this book right here. It's the Bible, the Word of God. It's what the Bible, in the scriptures, it is, it is even called the sword of the spirit. That's why we're always telling everyone, hey, make sure you get a Bible in your hands. Make sure you get a Bible in your hands. You know, this is a book that, like Pastor Rich says, you don't only read it, it reads you. You know, scriptures tells us that it's sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts right through the marrow, that cuts right through the bone, that tell, lets you know exactly, holds a mirror in front of you and lets you know what's happening in our lives. So that's what we're always saying. Get a Bible in your hands. And don't just read it like a book. Although it is an amazing book. It has the greatest stories that were ever told. It has war stories. It has love stories. It has espionage. It has uh, drama. It has trauma. It has everything. If you just want to read it like that, it'll be a great novel for you. But that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is get this book in your hands and use it as your instruction man manual. You know, it's almost like when you got your instruction manual in the car, right? You don't just take that, that thing in the car and you just say, okay, today after tea, I'm going to get the, my BW uh, driver's manual and I'm just going to read through it because it's, it's, it's a good book. No, you get it when you need it and you get it when you first get your car so you know how to operate it. This is the same thing for your life. You get it, and you look at it, and you ask God to reveal to you what is it that you need to get from it so that you can live life like we read before in John 10, 10, abundantly and not just existing. We need to learn as a church that we have weapons. And as a church, as a community, we also need to learn how to use those weapons. What do we use them for? You know, and we have a great example when it comes to the Word of God. In, in, in scriptures, we see that Jesus himself... When he was tempted, and when some of us knew, know the stories, and a lot of us know the stories, you know, Jesus, when he was starting his ministry, he went on a fast for 40 days and 40 nights, man. Amazing. He didn't eat or he didn't drink for all those days. And, and, and guess what? After 40 days, he was hungry, duh, right? I mean, and, 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 and the scripture tells us that he was taken into the desert after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And it says that the enemy, right? And who's the enemy again? The devil came to do what? To tempt him. And you know what Jesus did? He resisted. You know what Jesus did? He used the word of God against the devil. He used the word of God. Every time the devil would try to tell him something, well, if you're really the son of, of God, turn this, uh, turn this rocks into into bread let me tell you something man after 40 days and 40 nights of of uh of fasting i don't know uh, about you but if i would have been me maybe i would have turned them not 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 into just bread man i would have turned into quiznos or something like that man a full sandwich or whatever but what did he say he went to the word of god he quoted the word of god right back at the devil and but the devil didn't stop there he continued he did it again he did it three times 
And it says that three times Jesus came back at him, and he came back at him with the word of God. He came back at him, and he resisted. He stood strong. And you know what? The devil had to do what? The devil fled. And it says that once that happened, angels came and ministered to him. But look what it says. The Bible also says this, that the enemy says he waited into another opportune time. So what does that say to us? That there's always going to be, the devil's always going to be looking for an opportune time to come after you. The devil's always going to be looking for an opportune time to say, okay, ooh, he seems a little weak today. Ooh, she's kind of like wavering. Uh, so today is an opportune time, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to try to see what I can do to defeat them. I'm going to see what, 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 what needs to happen. And that's not the only weapon that we have. We have other weapons that we can use. And we can use prayer. That's also a weapon. We can use worship. That's also a weapon. That's why when we come in here, we worship, and we're so passionate about our worship. We're so passionate, and we're so blessed that we have an amazing worship team that can take us into the presence of the Lord by way of song, by way of worshiping, by way of praising. Because that's a weapon. Because even if you come in here so discouraged that you're saying, I don't even know. I didn't even want to get in there. I didn't even want to get out of my car. I wanted to stay in, my, in the parking lot. Even if you come in here, you don't even want to lift your hands. Or if you don't even want to lift your heads. As you look around and as you, as you feel that spirit of faith in here, as you see other people weeping sometimes and just raising their hands, you know that faith spills over into you. That worship starts ministering to you. That's why we say, that's what the Bible itself says. He inhabits the praises of his people. God loves it when we worship him by way of song. So that's another weapon that we have. And we have prayer and we have the Holy Spirit. An amazing weapon that God has given you. The third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit who comes and who ministers to us and who lets us know. Sometimes people say, well, my conscience told me. I had this little voice telling me. No, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of God, if you have Jesus in your heart, you know what? When you hear that little voice in your head, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's saying, hey, don't go there. Hey, you know what? You don't need to answer that text. Hey, you know what? You don't need to go to lunch with that person. She ain't your wife. He ain't your husband. No, but, <laughs> but they're having problems. It's their problem. You're not there to solve their problem. Because that's what the enemy will use. And before you know it, your family is in turmoil. Your family is upside down. You're going crazy, and you're going to say, well, how did I get to this? How did I get to this? How, how did I find myself now here? You know why? Because there is a battle, and the enemy wants you defeated. But you know what? The good news is that God wants you to win the battle, that God wants you to fight. And you know what? We as a church, we as a community, we as individuals, we are going to make a commitment that we are going to fight. You know what? We are going to fight for our families. We are going to fight for our children. We are going to fight for our church. We are going to fight for our pastors. We are going to fight for our faith. Why? Because the victory has already been given to us. Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross. He defeated the enemy at the cross. That's the great thing is that we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We're fighting from victory. You know, you know what? The war has already been won. But although the war has already been won, there are still battles and skirmishes that we need to fight. And when we go through those battles and through those skirmishes, you know what it, the Bible talks about? That, that, that builds our perseverance. It builds our strength. It builds everything that we need to do. But you have to remember, we have to remember here today, victory is already ours. Victory is already ours. We just have to walk in it. 
And I know that some of you here today are, are so discouraged that you, that's not, it's not even, you're saying, I, I wish I could believe that. Victory is yours. Jesus has secured it for you. He has given you victory. So you know what? So today here, we're just going to learn how to fight for our families. And today here, we're going to commit to fight for our families. So I'm on, I got a question. Are you guys ready to fight? Okay, I want you to do something for me. I want you to turn to your next person, sit next to you and say, I'm ready to fight. Did you guys have lunch or you still need to get kids? That was sounded a little, that's a, that's a, if I was the enemy on the other side of the hill, if I was the enemy on the other side of that valley and I heard, oh, that's the people that are we going to fight? No, it's, I'm ready to fight. Hey, say it one more time. I'm ready to fight. There you go. Now the enemy on the other side is saying, oh, come on. There's something going on there. There's something going on there. We're going to fight for our families. We're going to learn how to fight for our families today. You know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I title this talk today, and, and in the next 16 or 15 minutes, we're going to finish it up and wrap it up. But I title this, this talk today, Common Cause. So if you want to write down that, that down on top of your page, common cause. And it's a little bit uh, of, a, of, a, of a play on words, but you're going to see what I mean in, in a few minutes. Common cause. Why a common cause? Because all of us in here have that one thing in common. We all have a family. Or we all come from a family. We all have a family of origin. We all have a family right now. But we all come from a family. And we have another thing in common. I'm going to tell you that right now, too. None of us got to pick our families. <laughs> None. You, know, you know that saying that says, you know, you can pick your friends, but you can't do what? Pick your family. And sometimes we wish we could have picked. When you were growing up, at least this happened to me sometimes. When I was growing up, sometimes I would look at some of my friends and i say, man, I wish they were my parents. You know, they don't have a curfew. Man, they can ride their bikes all over the place. I, 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 I got to stay on this side of 27th Avenue. They can go wherever, you know. Was I the only one that thought about that? Come on. You can't lie in church. Come on. You know, but, but sometimes we were like, but we can't we can pick our families. We are born into a family. And for some of us, our family of origin was amazing. We had great times. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I, I, my family was awesome. Except for the times that they didn't let me ride my bike on the other side of 27th Avenue. But, but that's neither here nor there. Okay? But other than that, they were pretty cool. You know, and, and I had some great memories of my family when I was growing up. You know, getting together and, and, and having Nochebuena and all that good stuff. And, 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 and you know, and, and talking to my uncle and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so it was a pretty good family. It was a pretty good experience for me. But I understand, and we as a community understand that for others of us, that's not such a good experience. I mean, we just heard some stories here from these young people, and I'm so proud. I am so proud of this church because they have invested so much in the next generation, into these guys. And I am so proud of our, of, our, of our youth pastor, Pastor Phil, and the great job that he's doing, right? But we just had three examples up here. We just had three stories up here of, of if you know what, that sometimes family is not what we in our minds imagine, imagine it to be. And you want to know something that goes all the way back to the enemy that we've been talking about. Because ever since the beginning of time, that enemy has been doing whatever he can to mess up the family. That enemy has been doing whatever he can to mess up the family. That enemy has been out there like a roaring lion, 
you know, just prowling around, just trying to see where can I buy, where can I destroy, where can I make sure that these people don't actually see in God's plan for their life. You know, we read that in 1 Peter 5.8. Look what it says. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Look what it says there. Again, another, this is another highlight uh, phrase here. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this is what happens. I don't know if you've ever seen those, those, uh, those uh, things in uh, the History Channel or the whatever, whatever other channels that they have documentaries having to do with, with animals and stuff like that. Sometimes I like to see that. You know, sometimes I like to see, okay, uh, let me see if I can see someone eating something else and, 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 and other stuff. But, but I don't know if you've ever seen any of those documentaries where it's talking about lions and stuff like that, how, how they hunt and, and, and what, it, what it is that they do. And a lion, really, they're supposed to be the king of, of, of the forest and the king of the jungle and all that kind of stuff. But they're not all that bad when you look at it because when they hunt, they don't go for the healthiest one. When they hunt, they, they look at whatever they're going to hunt and they wait to see who's the one that's falling behind, who's the one that's, that's, that's straying a little bit from the pack, who's the one that's a little bit weak, who's the one that's a little bit sick, who's the one that's a little bit not paying attention. And that's when they jump. And that's who they hunt. And what am I saying all that? Because that, that is so much like us as Christians. That is so much like us as a community. You know, that, that's what the devil, like, like the illustration in that verse is like a roaring lion. You know what he's doing? He's prowling. And he's prowling. And he's looking at us. And he's looking to see who's, who, who, who is straying a little bit. Who is falling a little bit away from the group. Who is not paying too much attention. Who is getting distracted by what this world is saying, by what society is saying? You know, and before you know it, that's who he's going to pounce on. He's going to pounce on you if you're distracted. He's going to pounce on you if you're not paying attention. He's going to pounce on you if you know some things, but you're forgetting how to practice and you're forgetting your disciplines. Because that's what the Word is telling us. That's what the Bible is telling us. That that's who the enemy is and how, that's how he operates. But you know what? I want to encourage you for the next 10 minutes. Because I know that all of us have different roles in families. And since we're learning how to fight for our families, if we're learning, since we're learning how to make sure that our families are healthy and that our families are, 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 are honoring God, I believe that he has given us, each one of us, a role to play in our families. And along with those roles, he has also given us action steps, or maybe if you want to call them commands, you can call them commands too, to follow and to apply that are going to help us as we stand strong and as we fight, we all have a role. And some of us are playing different roles within the family. We understand that too. Some of us are, are not only husbands and wives, but we're also fathers and sons and, 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 and whatever. So there's different roles that we need to play as it relates to family. And there's different things that, that we need to apply to ourselves. So we're going to go through four of them, all right? Four, four things that I have identified through this talk that we think, that I think that if we apply certain action steps, they're going to help us learn how to fight for our families. But now I'm going to give you a disclaimer here. This is not an elbow session now. Okay? And what do I mean by that? When I talk about husbands, I don't want wives to be elbowing, hey, honey, mira esto para ti. You know what I'm saying? And when I'm talking about wives, I don't want the husband saying, mm-hmm, there you go, honey. I've been telling you that for six months. Now you're going to believe him because he's a pastor. Now you're going to believe him. No. It's not about that. Remember, it's about getting stronger. It's about get, learning to use the tools. All right, so are we ready to get into this now for the next 10 minutes? Here we go. The first role that I identify 
and maybe it's because I can relate to it, is out of a husband. In a family, there is a husband. There is a husband. And it might be that in your family right now, you're a single parent and you're a single mom. And we're going to talk about that in a little, bit, a little bit later. But if you're here today and you find yourself that the role you're playing in your family is out of a husband... This year, this next couple of minutes is for you. And if maybe you'll be a husband in the future, maybe you, maybe, maybe who knows what God has for you. But this applies to all of us here in this room today. That's why we're sitting here today. You know, if you're a husband here, and, and, and another thing that, that, that I'm going I'm to tell you is that the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. And throughout the years, the enemy has gotten us husbands to relinquish the role of a leader in the home. Throughout the, the, the years, throughout, and I, I don't know whether it's indoctrination or maybe the, the sitcoms that we watch, the shows that we see on TV, which, by the way, they really tick me off because I don't even know of a show right now about families that doesn't portray the father as an idiot. I mean, does anybody know that? Has anybody noticed that? How they portray the father like, oh, well, he's an idiot. Oh, don't worry. Don't tell dad. Oh, he's not going to get it anyways. You know, you know, and that's totally not what it's supposed to be. So that, that, I don't know whether it's that that's helped to somehow influence us as husbands, as fathers, to relinquish our role as leader of the home. Now, that does not mean, that does not mean that we have to be a dictator in the home. Because that's not honoring to God either. That's not what God is saying. That's what the enemy wants you to be. That's what the enemy wants you to instill in your head. Well, you know, you know what? You have to, they have to obey you. They have to pay attention. Why? Because you're the dad. That's why. And that's what the enemy wants to put in your head. Because when the enemy puts that in your head, then you become some sort of a, uh, I don't know, somebody that nobody wants to go home to that. You know, so you are a husband here. This is what the Bible says. You know, in 1 Peter 5, 3, 7, I think it is, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Look what it's saying here. God is telling us, look, you who are husbands, this is what you need to do. Your role in the family, your role to be able to fight for your family, your role to be able to, to make sure that your family is protected is you have to take care of your wives. You have to be considerate with them. You have to be, be, be treating them like, like the weaker vessel. And I know for, for, for the ladies in the house right now, they're like, I ain't weak. <laughs> I'm not, what, what is he talking, I ain't weak? <laughs> what God is saying is, man, part of your role as a husband is you need to be a protector. Part of your role as a husband is you need to be a provider. Part of the role as a husband is you need to make sure that your family is walking in the ways of the Lord. And you know what? Every man in this house here, every godly husband in this house here needs to stand up and needs to say, I don't know what the enemy has planned for my family, but I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to say, nah, to get to my wife, you got to get through me. To get through my kids, you got to get through me. To get through my family, you got to get through me. You got to get through me because that's my role. And men of this house, you got to own that role. You have to own that role. You got to say, I am. I am the leader of my home. You know, the, in the Old Testament, we read that it was said that the man is the priest of the home. And what does that mean? Wow, the priest? Oh, do I got to wear a little collar? No, I don't want to wear a collar. No. What it means is that we as husbands, we that call ourselves godly husbands, godly men, we are responsible for the spiritual well-being of our families. We got to make sure that what's coming into our homes is godly. 
whether it's coming through our TVs, whether it's coming through our radios, whatever, whether it's coming through books or, or news, whatever media is coming through your house, men of this house, you got to own the fact that you are responsible for what your family is watching, for what your family is listening to, for what your family is getting involved in. That is what God says when he says, treat your wives with respect. Don't be looking at stuff that is going to disrespect her. Don't be saying things that is going to disrespect her. You got to be a godly man. And you know what? Without God, you can't do it. That's why it's godly men, godly husband. Because it's his help. Remember, we're going to stand on his word. So, I, 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 guys, I, I'm going to let you go for a minute, okay? <laughs> Second role in the family. Second role in the family. Wives. And this one's going to be a sticky one. I'm not even say because you guys are already chuckling and stuff. And, yeah, he went there. Yes, I went there. <laughs> the Bible tells us, wives, you, as, as the role that you're playing in the household, submit to your husbands. And we see that in Ephesians 5.22. Look what it says in Ephesians. And this is just a setup. I'm going I'm I'm to get there. I'm going to get there. Please don't check me out. Don't hate me. Don't send me emails. Look what it says. In Ephesians 5.22, it says, wives, submit yourse yourselves to your own husbands. Look at the last part, because we forget about the last part sometimes. What is it in the last part? As you do to who? Can we say that again? As you do to the Lord. Why submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord? And what does that even mean? It's like, okay, man, but, you, but JP, JP, you don't know my husband. He's an idiot. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But he's not your enemy. Yeah, but, but JP, this guy that hasn't worked in six months. I get it. He's not your enemy. You know, submit to your husbands as you submit to the Lord. And this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. You as a godly woman, you as a godly wife, this is what's got to happen here. You got to say, okay, you know what? Because I am a godly woman, because I am a godly wife, and because I am submitted to the Lord, this is what's happening. When my husband, when he is going crazy, when he's acting stupid, and I feel like lashing out on him, I have to recognize two things. Number one, that's the enemy trying to get a divide between us. He is not my enemy. And right now in this situation that I find myself in, this is what you're going to do, wives. You're going to say, Lord, I am submitted to you. How do I honor you here? How do I respond here? See, that's different that if you just take the first part of that verse, yeah, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. You're going to say, oh, man, you know what? These people, they're in the Stone Ages, you know. I know more. We're equality. We're equal. Equal pay for equal whatever, you know. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is that we have to present a united front. Husband and wife have to decide we are on the same team here when it comes to fighting for our families. We are not enemies. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. We are husband and wife, and I'm going to do my godly duty. I'm going to be a godly wife. I'm going to be a godly woman. And as a godly woman, I'm going to submit to you, Lord, and I'm going to let you deal with my husband. You know, that's what keeps me straight in my marriage. Because <laughs> every time my wife wants to get me in line, I guess, I guess she does that. I mean, she hasn't told me, but I, I think I pick up on it. And she always tells me, have you prayed about it? <laughs> yeah, and she gives me that face. I look to, have you prayed about it? <laughs> <sighs> have you fasted? I'm going to trust you because you're the leader of the home. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know what? Let's scratch that. I'm going to go back. I'm going to pray some more. I got to do some more fasting, whatever. But you know what? We have decided a long time ago that her and I are a team and that nothing's going to come between us. 
because we got God as our stronghold. We got God as our rock. He's going to protect us. He's going to give us everything we need to fight. And we're not into who's who and who's what. You know, I'm not lording the fact that I'm the head of the household over her. She, I don't have to remind her. Yeah. You know, if you're a husband here and you have to keep reminding your wife of that, the first part of that verse, man, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your wife. If you got to keep telling your wife, woman, you need to submit to me. You better go back and check what's going on with you. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to leave that. That's, that's, that's for another teaching, all right? Now, the third role that we see in our families, and there's a lot of young people here, so that applies to a lot of us. Children. Children. Look what it says. That's another one that, ooh, uh, this church is so old-fashioned. Obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. And, and, and look, look, look what it says in Ephesians 6, the first couple of verses. Look what it says there. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And what was that promise? The promise was that if you did that, you would get to live a very long and prosperous life. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that. And, and, and when it says, and these things might seem like it's common sense, and it's like, man, I heard that before. Yes, yes. And those are the weapons that God has given us so we can be able to stand. See, the, the, the thing that I love the most about following God is that he's not a God of confusion, and he's not a God that's going to, I mean, at least to me, he's, he, he knows me, so he knows he can't make things too difficult for me because I'm going to mess it up. So he makes it simple. So children, obey your parents. What does that mean in your life? And what does that mean for everybody here that has parents still? What does that mean, obey your parents? I don't know. you got to work it out between you and God. But one thing I know is that it's, a pro- it's, it's the commandment with a promise. It's a commandment with a promise. And let me tell you something. And let, me, let me give you guys a hint, that's, especially the young people that still live in a home with parents, that it's going to make you so many, you're going to score so much brownie points, it's going to give you credit until you leave the house. And this is it. This is a question I want you to ask. This is a question. Especially when your parents have people over, right? And there's a community in the kitchen or in the living room where they have connect groups. Walk up and say, Mom, Dad, how can I help you? (laughs) Trust me. Trust me. You're going to score so many brownie points that it's like, number one, all their friends are going to fall off their chairs. (laughs) Maybe they will fall off their chairs too. Like, that never happened before. Ask that question. Ask that question, and you're going to see how you're going to be blessed, how your parents are going to be blessed. And that's not only for young people. Husbands, ask your wife, honey. And I know on Saturday when it's your only day off, and when you're, oh, man, I had a rough week, and I don't really want to ask that question because the garage is a mess. Yes, but go up. Honey, what can I do to help you? And you know what she's going to say? She's going to just walk over to her closet where you have that Ikea thing that's been there for six months and you haven't fixed. And she's going to say, honey, remember this? <laughs> but it's okay. If you're a wife, the same thing. When Mr. Grump, I mean, when your husband comes home and he's tired and he's tired. Honey, what can I do to help you? Don't be afraid to ask that question. I guarantee you it's going to make your relationship stronger. So let's practice it. Let's practice it one time before we move to the next one. And i got to wrap it up because I hear Isa up here already kind of telling me, hey, your time is up. All right. but, but let's practice it one time. Let's say, honey, 
What can I do to help you? See? That intonation helps out a lot too. But anyways, here we go. The last role that we're to pray, that we're to play in our families is that of mothers and fathers. Mothers and fathers, right? Mothers and fathers. Look what it says there. And look at the, all the young people saying, yeah, right on, right on, right on, right on. Don't, don't irritate your children. Whoa, somebody, somebody went there. Hallelujah. Somebody's speaking in tongues over here already. Woo, Shamala. Yeah, yeah. Parents, don't irritate your children. You know what? The enemy uses this extremely well in families nowadays. Extremely well. Some parents have actually come to me, because I do a lot of counseling here too. Some parents have come to me and say, I think my child is possessed by the devil. <laughs> But go back. <laughs> go back and find out why parents do not irritate your children. And how do we find out, okay, as a parent, how do I find out if I'm irritating my children? Ask yourself this question. In the middle of, a, of, a, of an argument, a debate, in the middle of a heated discussion, ask yourself, and you got to do the finger too, I'm doing this because I'm not getting what I want. The majority of the time that we irritate our children is because we're asking them to do something that we really want them to do, but we're not getting. You know what I'm saying? And James talks about that if you read. And I didn't give this to the media people, so I don't even know if we're going to get to go. But in James, in the fourth chapter, it says, you fight and you quarrel because you do not get what you want. You fight and you quarrel because you do not get what you want. And it works for the, for the young people, too. When you're having a fight with your parent, if you're honest enough about it, you know why you're fighting with your parents? Because you're not getting what you want. Because you want to go to Dolphin Mall and they don't want to take you. Because you, you whatever, for whatever you want to fit in there, you don't get what you want. But then James continues to speak and he says, you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. You know what? If us, as, as fathers and mothers, if we want our children to do something, if we want something because we, we know it's best for them, let's go to God and ask God. Because you know what? There's no one that loves your children more than God does, and no one can protect your kids more than God can. Amen? So do not irritate your children. At the end of the day, you know what? Simple things, simple action steps, simple things that God has given us, simple things. But let me tell you something. They're so powerful. They're so powerful that if we apply them, if we commit ourselves to say, you know, we are all going to become a team. It is a, common, it is a common cause. All of us, whether we are children, whether we are parents, whether we are husbands or wives, we're going to come together as a team. And we're going to decide today that we're going to fight for our families, that we're not going to allow the enemy to have victory over our family, that we're going to apply what we learned here today. I'm telling you, I am telling you, I'm telling you, the enemy will flee because you'll be standing strong and you'll be resisting and he has, there's no other thing for him to do but to do what? Flee. 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 Has this helped anybody here today? Has it helped somebody? It's so good. So good to the Word of God. And let me tell you something. 
I want to, be, be, before we get back into celebrating, and I know I've gone a little bit over time, but, but, but I'm going to blame the youth because they had some amazing stories. So, so I, I don't, I, but anyways, but I'm going to pray for a couple, uh, two groups of people here today. And the first group that I want to pray for, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, is a, is a group of people that you might be saying, you might be here for the first, second, third time, you might be coming here for a while, and you might be saying, you know what, what you were saying, what you were talking about resonated with me. My family wasn't so good, or my family was good, but, but you know what? Now I'm in a family, and, 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 but I don't have that relationship that you're talking about with Jesus. So, and I really want to have those weapons. Let me tell you here today, you can walk out of here knowing that Jesus has given you that. But before that ever happens, you have to come into a relationship with him. You have to surrender to him. You have to say, hey, I acknowledge that you are God, and I am not. I am surrendering to you. I need you to forgive me because I know who you are. See, today you have gotten to know him. And let me tell you, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to make sure that you know that he loves you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So if that's you here today, if you're feeling like your heart is getting a little bit, oh, it's running a little bit and it wasn't Cuban coffee, what's happening? God is drawing you to himself. He wants to have a relationship with you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you, all of us, to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to count to three. And if you're in that group of people that are saying, you know what, I am tired of doing life on my own. I want God to leave my life. I want God to leave me for the rest of my life. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to make sure that when I die, I'm going to go to the place that I need to go. And that is heaven to be with him forever. If that is you, when I count to three, and I believe there's a lot of hands that are going to come out in this auditorium. They're going to come up. When I count to three, you raise your hand. And I'm going to say, God bless you. And you can put your hand down. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Okay? So if that is you, when I count to three, don't be, don't be shy. God is calling you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Ready? One, he loves you. Two, he died for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Three, raise your hand if you want to leave him into your heart. God bless you there. God bless you. 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 I see you with the phone. Over here on this side, God bless you. I see you, sir. God bless you back there. I see you. Amazing. God bless you. I see you here, man. Good move. God bless you right here on the side. I see you. It's awesome. Lord, we thank you for these hands that went up. And now as I lead them into this prayer, Lord, I pray that it might be a decision that is true and real in their lives. For those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer where you're going to just say to Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. I just want you to be my Lord and my Savior. As a matter of fact, the whole church is going to say it because a lot of us I say this prayer already. So if you raise your hand here for the first time, repeat after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I believe in you. And I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give these people a round of applause. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.